Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. Noops is on a plane to Vegas. He is going to be in Sin City for the second weekend of the tournament. Don't know if he's going to any of the games out there. Must be nice. He's on his way out there. And I just got an ominous message from Andy that said at 7 this morning saying, going to be in late, comma, I'm not able to do BBB. So I don't know. Hopefully everything's okay. Uh, Nevertheless, I'm producer Dan. That's Matt Rooney. Inmates running the asylum today. And in an upset of all upsets, even though it is the spring, we are not actually going to talk college football today on the show we do have a lot to talk about but matt how are you doing how is life uh you were away this week we were both away this weekend Mm -hmm. back in our cold weather cities how are you doing bud uh, I'm missing Palm Springs. I was uh, about a uh, about exactly a week ago now. I had just landed in LA and I was in a little bit warmer weather and, and getting ready for a golf trip in Palm Springs. Now I'm back in a Chicago apartment where it's raining and 40 degrees. At least it's not 20 and snowing. I guess yeah. there's that. Um, and yeah, college football is coming. I get they, we're starting to see, see see some spring ball clips. Um, Phil and I have an, our DM on Twitter has been back active of us just sending each other clips from Notre Dame spring practice. There was yeah. one that was Sam Hartman throwing like a five yard hitch to Tobias Merriweather. And both of us were like, Oh man, look at that throw. It's what a great hitch throw. It's just, it's good to be back. It's good to see the new guy, you know, the, the new iterations of these teams actually on the field together. It's nice. I, it's just the kind of the first, you know, after recruiting, it's the first little crumb they give us of we're getting there, even exactly. though we're not really getting there. We're still very far away. We are far away, but spring practice will be here. But like right now, it's all about March Madness. And I didn't even have time to throw this in. I've been so busy this morning. The NCAA hockey tournament kicks off yeah. tonight. Um, the Quinnipiac Bobcats go Bobcats. They play tomorrow night against Merrimack in Bridgeport. Unfortunately, the, the Bridgeport regional games tomorrow are at like two and five. And getting to Bridgeport in at five o'clock in the afternoon is a nightmare. So uh, me and the lady will watch that that game then we'll watch the texas game uh in against uh xavier uh tomorrow night so we'll have that but if quinnipiac wins would you be uh would you be going to a next round game it depends on what happens with texas if texas fair enough if you're on friday night we might go down to bridgeport it's only about 45 minutes so it's not okay. super far away may go down to the regional final uh there where they would play either ohio state or harvard if texas wins on friday night probably not we'll probably just hang out and watch those games uh but the ncaa tournament for basketball gets back uh underway this evening with our first set of sweet 16 games neither matt nor i are huge college basketball betters we just kind of you know for we bet for fun but not Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say like handicappers anyways we have four games tonight the early one michigan state kansas state sparty a two-point favorite arkansas yukon yukon a four-point favorite florida atlantic one of the cinderella stories here they are a uh, five-point dog to Rick Barnes in Tennessee, and then the best game on paper and probably going to be the best game on the court, Gonzaga-UCLA, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you have any – is there any angle that you're playing? Uh, is there any – did you have any futures still alive? Is there anything that you bet that you're kind of sweating? Is there anything you're looking at tonight? Because I have one angle I'll get to in a second that I'm kind of interested in, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts first. Well, I got – I got I drew UCLA in the uh, in the company Oh, nice. Pool. So, I, 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 you know, I, I'm liking UCLA there with, uh, you know, in the Sweet 16. I, Gonzaga's a, a good basketball team. They're not as good as they've been the last couple of years, but Drew Timmy is still capable of dropping 30 on any given night, so that should be a really fun game to watch. And I feel like – UCLA Gonzaga is a game we get in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight every other year, and it's almost always a two versus a three seed, and we usually end up getting a very good one. Uh, I guess this was the Final Four, if I'm not mistaken, a couple years ago, the COVID year. Um, but either way, th- these teams usually find a way to play instant classics in the tournament. So I'm really looking forward to that one. In terms of a betting angle, 
Man, like I know Michigan State got that win against Marquette, but Marquette played about as badly as they could. I felt like in that game, they couldn't really hit a big shot. They turned the ball over a ton. And Kansas State's playing some really good basketball. And I think that team just kind of quietly gone about their business and done so really impressively. So if you're going to give me two points with Kansas State, I probably like them getting the two. Um, and I know I think you're going to talk a little bit about Arkansas. So I'll just I'll lean into this one with you. But I like Arkansas. Like, that Razorbacks team under Eric Musselman is just kind of becoming like the new March team that just always ends up going farther than they should. They beat was beat Gonzaga last year. They gave Duke a run. Um, I think they were like a five or six seed last year. They were not, they were, or maybe it was a four, but they weren't as high as Duke or Gonzaga. They gave, they obviously beat Gonzaga, gave Duke a run a couple years before they beat Kansas this year. I believe two years ago, they made a little bit of a run as well. Like, Eric Musselman gets those guys playing their best basketball this time of year. So if you're going to give me four with that team, I think I'm going to take that as well. Yeah. I forgot who I had in the company pool. I have Miami. At least they're still alive. And if they want to win tomorrow and beat Houston, that Miami would, looks good. Uh, if they want to beat Houston, that would be spectacular. Um, I, I have a, there's this thing that we were talking about on the show last week and I got suckered into it. The money bag, which is on this like sketchy offshore book, which is like a fixed odds lottery. Like for the NCAA tournament it was 48, 48 to one, you just put in your money and you hit, you hit select and it randomizes a pick for you and you can get anybody. Like I got mm -hmm. fairly Dickinson as one of my picks, but I also ended up with Tennessee. So like, if they want to keep winning, that would be great. I have Jordan Spieth at 74 to one to win the masters, which Hey, all right. Um, yeah. So our buddy, uh, been on the show a bunch, Chris Felica, he put out something the other day and look, trends are not predictive. Like don't just go blindly betting things that you see in trends. However, there's kind of this really like bizarre trend with, uh, teams that are seated eighth or higher against or eighth or lower against non top three seeds in the sweet 16. So basically team seated eight through 15 against team seated, uh, four through whatever, where in the last seven instances, the lower-seeded team has covered all seven of them and won six of them outright. And the only loss was Wisconsin in 2017 to Florida when Chris Chioza hit the three-pointer. Oh, I remember. That was a great time game. To win. So, like, we were a buzzer beater uh, away from all seven of them, uh, seven of the lower-seeded teams winning. And I just like good coaches in March. Like, you, like Izzo for whatever reason, man, like if not for whatever reason, is a great coach and Michigan state always seems to be alive. I think that muscle men, like I'm riding the must bus here. I think Hurley's a good coach. I don't know if Hurley's a great coach. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I just think they've got a chance here. This is going to be about which team can play the game they want to play. Arkansas plays a pretty quick tempo. UConn plays a pretty slow tempo. If it's a slow-paced game, UConn's going to win because they're a really they're a, just a much more rounded team, really good defensively. They can kind of muck it up. But if Arkansas plays the way they want with a good coach, I, I kind of think they've got a, they're very live to pull the upset there. Uh, also, did you see the story about UConn's hotel? No, UConn. So the NCAA picks where they're they book the hotels, tell you where you're staying. UConn was staying at the Luxor, and apparently some of the rooms were in such bad shape after people had been partying in them all week. UConn moved hotels, so like Jeez. it's just like the trip got off to a bad start for UConn. Um, obviously, I think UConn probably wins this game, but like Arkansas was around like plus one fifty, one fifty eight, somewhere around there. Uh, to, to win outright. So I don't hate that look. Aaron Marshall in the chat says, take the owls and the points. For those of you uninitiated, that is Florida Atlantic. Again, that falls under the 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 met the uh, trend that Felica pointed out. So, you know, it's Rick Barnes in March. I don't want to always play the, oh, look, it's just Rick Barnes in March card. But, like, you never know uh, what's going to happen there. Tennessee might just 
Tennessee might Tennessee might be a little too physical for them. I removed the wrong thing from the stream. Oh, uh, so, I got very nervous yeah. that you were gone there. Well, I'm no, now. just just click the wrong button. So there we go. Uh, I mentioned the NCAA tournament for hockey. Uh, the pros are still playing, and you have a couple of bets. Oh, thanks for switching us. I got you. I, I had fun being Dan for a few. You seconds. don't want to be Dan. Um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna play a game. I'm gonna let you do your. I'm gonna let you do your bets real quick, sure. and then I'm going to bring up the NHL standings for the first time in like two months and oh, see what surprises like me. So you start us off. You've got a couple of bets for this evening. I do. Um, I didn't love the slate today, and as we as we kind of get, I've mentioned it a bunch, and it's the same thing with every you know sports betting um, league. But once you get towards the end of seasons, the the odds just get kind of kind of hard to find some value here. We'll start with Stars and Penguins. Uh, I'm going to take their first period under plus uh, plus uh, under one and a half at plus 108. But uh, Pittsburgh played last night. They played in Colorado, so not the shortest of travel. Not obviously not like a four-hour flight or anything cross country, but still had to travel last night into Dallas. Um, I, I'm banking on a little bit of a slower start there against the Stars team that also likes to slow down the game a little bit and has one of the better goalies in the NHL and Jake Ottinger. I can very. I have no no issues seeing this one being a, a one nothing or zero zero game after the first period. If you're going to give me plus money at that, I really like it. Um, there's really no value in first period overs anymore. Pretty much everyone is priced around you know minus one twenty ish, if not uh, if not uh, worse. So I, I'm going to take that first period under there. I, I just think there's a decent amount of a decent chance here that the Penguins want to play a slower start out of the gate after having a, a game last night in Colorado and, and Dallas likes to play that anyways. And then uh, my Blackhawks and the Capitals, we're going to go over six and a half plus a hundred there. Uh, Washington is allowing and scoring a good amount of goals as of late. They just lost seven to six to Columbus. They lost five to three to Minnesota, five to two to St. Louis, one five to four against Buffalo, lost five to three against the Rangers. So each of their last five, uh, if you're counting there, have gone to seven or more. Blackhawks have allowed nine goals in their last two games. And outside of a 2-1 win at Nashville, three of their four, last four uh, have, have gone over, excuse me, have gone to six and a half or better. Uh, I really like the over in this one. Washington, like I said, allowing a ton of goals. The Blackhawks playing harder than they are. They're playing a lot better than they actually are, um, which is very frustrating for me. Mm. Uh, good for building the culture. And I think it means they have a pretty good coach going for them going forwards. But Really, in the whole I want Connor Bedard thing, not great. So maybe let's take let's, let's take our foot off the brakes or off the gas a little bit, pump the brakes a little bit there. Uh, but but like the plus uh, plus 100 value here at, at over six and a half with two teams that uh, can score a, a little bit, especially with Washington and two teams that really struggle to keep the puck out of their own net. Look, man, if we're being honest, you got the all time win with the Texans winning their last game against the Colts. I did. So, I did. So you're doing a little bit of sports karma coming back against the Blackhawks there, if we're being honest. I, you know, but like, I think me getting the number one pick there is kind of sports karma for the best quarter bears quarterback of my lifetime being Jay Cutler. And it's not really close. And then <laughs> after that, like literally name one, I, that was good. Rex Grossman might be the best one after that. So I think that's kind of my more sports karma, but you might also be right. Maybe I'm due for a downturn after getting number one. So circling back to looking at the NHL standings for the first time in a couple of months, and I can sure. only see there's one thing that was a little surprising to me. Like I Let knew those up. So I have them in front of me too. I knew the devils were having a good season. So yeah. I'm not, I'm surprised they're ahead that far ahead of the Rangers, but I knew they were having a good season. The Islanders and penguins being wildcard teams like Florida being a point out of the playoffs, Florida and the caps being out of the playoffs, I guess is a little bit surprising, but like only so many spots there in the Western conference, just looking at it, uh, the Kings in and the Flames out. 
is the one thing that I look at being like, huh, like I knew the Kraken were having a pretty solid season too. Yeah. So like nothing. Oh, Dallas being in first place was a little surprising to me, but it kind of feels like the, the avalanche are just like treading water because they know that they can turn it on in the playoffs when that's they need kind to. of it. like they, they, they don't have to prove themselves anymore. They won one cup. They can get into the, playoffs. yeah. I mean, it's, it's very then, similar to when the damage, when the Blackhawks won those three cups in six years, like I think they won the president's trophy and were, were the one seed in the West one time. Uh, once you kind of get to that point with, which I know Colorado just won their first cup, but let's be like, they've been the best team in the West for the last few years. Now that they finally gotten over that hump and, you know, they're dealing with a little bit of a Stanley cup hangover, obviously the shorter off season. I think they kind of know like, Hey, we need to get ourselves to the playoffs. And once we get ourselves to the playoffs, we'll be just fine. But it, it's more about getting there all in one piece and healthy and re- not rested, but fresh, uh, as fresh as they can be. So winning the West for them is not all that important. They'd like to have a first round home series for sure. Uh, and they're only two points away from doing that. So I, I can definitely see them getting to that point. And yeah, Calgary has been a, Calgary has been a big disappointment. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau obviously left in free agency. Then they've been make the big move to, to go get Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, I don't know. Daryl Sutter's the guy there and he's been, you know, he, he had a good year with him last year, but he's a type of coach that, especially with this younger generation, I, I think is a, a guy that's a little bit prone to burnout um, and probably a little bit faster than, than he did with the Kings. Obviously had a really good run there, but then eventually did like, I, I think that might be a case of what's going on there. I just not really sure how he jives with, you know, today's generation of professional hockey player, professional athlete for that matter. Um, in the long term, but yeah, there's no doubt they've been a they've been a pretty big disappointment after how good they were last year. Um, Johnny Gaudreau leaving should, should have hurt, but the addition of Jonathan Huberto to kind of ease that blow shouldn't have been that big of a deal. And then yeah, Florida also has been wildly disappointing. They've just got an awful goaltending um, and, and the Sergei Bobrovsky mega deal that what was it seven years Bobrovsky. seventy million or something like that like he's been the definition and you could kind of see it coming with him too. Like once he signed the big deal, he was just going to kind of be whatever, but he's really just kind of like, he's not God awful, but like you're paying a goalie 10 million a year for seven years. You're expecting to be like Andre Vasilevsky. And he's just been a very average goaltender throughout. So that's really, really hurt them through this process. You're off the case, Bobrovsky. Look up just the Bobrovsky <laughs> sports center, Canada on YouTube. It's one of my favorite things ever. Um, Cleaning something up real quick. Patrick said, I've heard Circus Circus has one of the best steakhouses in Vegas. I always talk myself out of it, though. He's followed up. The one time I was at CC, everything was sticky. I just looked up their steakhouse. It is called The Steakhouse with T-H-E in capital letters. So it's kind of got like this Ohio State vibe, I guess. Calling it The Steakhouse, I'm out. I don't care if it's I like good. That. I'm out. I'm out. So, I do want to uh, put throw up a comment here from noted St. Louis sports fan Patrick. Uh, yeah, you did take Eric Effing Johnson and passed on Jonathan Effing Tave. So how'd that go for you, bud? <laughs> go blue, go Hawks, right? Uh, hit him up, mrooney23 on Twitter if you want to talk some more <laughs> shit about hockey with Matt. We're going to move on to soccer, Matt. We are in an international window, which means the Premier League, La Liga, all that. M- uh, MLS just keeps playing. They don't care. They play on Saturday. I will bet the overs, by the way. That's my um, official bet for our uh, – no, actually, no, I have to think about it because Noops and I didn't just blind bet overs last time. I have to think about it. It's a little different with international soccer, and it's going to actually run counter to one of my bets. But we have uh, world, we have Euro 24 qualifying beginning today. Uh, the tournament will be in Germany, so Germany automatically qualifies. But everyone else is in play. The United States in CONCACAF, they have the Nations League or whatever the, the hell they call it. So I have one bet for that. But we will start with today. We have... Uh, believe it or not, man, Italy and England drawn into the same group and Euro qualifying. Of course, this was the final 
at Euro 2021, which was played in tw- or Euro 2020, which was played in 2021. So do we um, get the Euro in 2023 then? 2024. So okay, because I, 20- I know it was officially supposed to be 2020. So I yeah. didn't know if they kept mm-hmm. it or they bumped the next. Just okay. every four years, every four years on the every, calendar. So 2024. I thought it was but, every three. For some reason, nope, I thought Euro was every, every four. Three. It's okay. it's the off. It's the every. It's the two years between the. So World it's like Cup. the Olympics switching off exactly. between winter and summer so every two exactly. Years. Got it, got so it, got it, got it, got it. summer Olympics and Euros coincide together, right? The got next it. Olympics are a summer Olympics. Anyway, sure. um, so these two teams were drawn into a group together. They are in a group with Ukraine, North Macedonia, and Malta. Ukraine and North Macedonia both qualified for the Euros uh, the last time, and Italy actually lost to North Macedonia in the World Cup playoffs, so there's some motivation there. Uh, Ukraine, they will be playing their home games as of now at a neutral site. Obviously, there's still a war going on there, so they're at a disadvantage. These two teams, even though Italy missed out on the World Cup, these are two the two best teams in this group by far. The top two teams in each group will automatically qualify for the Euro. Uh, so there's wiggle room here, and I just don't think either team is going to be super motivated to go out and really push forward and try to like just dominate the other one here. I think you're going to see a cautious game. We're in the middle of a long European season. We had a World Cup in the middle of it, although the Italian players didn't, but nevertheless, uh, the, the English players did. The England, by nature, under Gareth Southgate is pretty conservative. I just don't really think this is going to be an, an end-to-end kind of game. I think we're going to see these two teams trying to feel each other out, and I think both teams would be fine taking a draw here, but maybe we'll see some action uh, late in this game, but I think we're going to see a little bit of a slow start, so I'm going to play a first-half draw, minus 110 here. Uh, if you want to play second half higher scoring, great. If you want to play like, if you want to get really froggy and do like first half draw, uh, second half Italy at like plus like three something, that's fine too. But I think we're going to see a little bit of a low scoring game there. And then the other game uh, that I have on here, we have Portugal against Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein, Matt, is the literal worst team in Europe, at least per the oh, seedings fun. of this tournament. They were 0-6 in the Nations League, which set the, the, the group pots for this event. So they are the worst team, again, worst team potentially in this entire tournament. In 2022 World Cup qualifying, they allowed 34 goals and scored two. They lost nine to nothing to Germany. In 2020 Euro qualifying, they allowed 31 goals and scored two. They lost five nothing and six nothing to Italy. 2018 World Cup qualifying, they allowed 39 goals and scored one, lost eight to nothing to Spain twice. And then at 2016 Euro qualifying, actually a little better. They only gave up 27, uh, 26 goals. Uh, they only scored two, though. They lost seven nothing to Russia. 5-0 to Austria. This is a team that gives up a shit ton of goals to anybody respectable. So the bet here is Portugal, Liechtenstein, total goals, anything other than two through six. So this is basically what this is, is an over six bet or one. But Portugal's not going to just yeah. score one. So this is essentially an over six bet. This is under uh, on DraftKings. You go to goals and you go down to scoring bands and you can find this. This is at plus 115. Portugal is going to pour in goals. This is the first game for them under Roberto Martinez, and that might be the only fly in the ointment. He is legitimately one of the most wonderful human beings I've ever met and worked with in my life. Worked with him at, uh, at ESPN. I bet he is a tremendous human being. Uh, he's a little bit underwhelming as a coach. Belgium always seemed to kind of underachieve with Portugal, uh, or Belgium always seemed to underachieve with him as their coach, but Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be in there. Diego Jota, uh, João Felix is in good form. Uh, they're just going to be really good and they're going to score a lot of goals. So I'm banking on like a seven, nothing, eight, nothing kind of game. And then we got to bet on the U S here, Matt. And this is a narrative bet. This is 
Uh, I love a good narrative. You love a good narrative. Who doesn't and, love a narrative? And and so basically, let's set let, let me set a scene for you here. So the old coach, the the no longer coach of the United States, his name is Greg Burhalter. Uh, he and his wife Rosalind have been together for over thirty years, uh, and he was good friends with Claudio Reyna and Claudio Reyna's wife Danielle. Claudio Reyna, one of the great players in U.S. soccer history, they have known each other since they were seventeen. They were friends forever and ever. Claudio Reyna's son Gio is one of the most talented young American soccer players on the planet. Plays for Borussia Dortmund. He, however, was. N- fairly unimpressive at least in camp with his attitude and his work ethic leading up to the world cup to the point where he almost got sent home and they were very seriously considering not playing him at all so how did claudio reyna and danielle reyna respond to that they threatened to blackmail greg burhalter greg burhalter got into a physical altercation with his wife 30 years ago where he kicked her Uh, but he has been very transparent about it. They have worked through their issues. It is a non-issue for them now. They have worked through something that happened 30 years ago. Because of Gio Reyna's playing time, the Reyna family threatened to go and expose this story that happened 30 years ago and threatened to blackmail Greg Berhalter over Gio Reyna's playing time. So this is the just most very stereotypical sports parent story in the history of American soccer. Uh, So it's a very sordid affair. Greg Berhalter, no longer the coach, not because of this. His contract was up. U.S. soccer is going to make some changes. Gio Reyna back with the U.S. national team for these uh, games coming up. They play Granada tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to go with Gio Reyna anytime goal score plus 165. He's back with the team. He'll be in the lineup at some point we're going to go with him to score plus 165 i can't bet against the narrative matt who are we uh who's going to be our new coach they're they're doing they have an interim coach one of the assistants is kind of the interim coach uh they haven't really decided who's going to be the new coach u.s soccer tends to move uh very very slowly with this stuff so it'll probably be a bunch of months until they figure this out. There's kind of an interesting thing going on though. There's an, there's a player named Falaren Balogun who is born in England, who is of African descent, but was born in the United States. So he can play for the U S he can play for England and he can play for someone else. Uh, He's signed to Arsenal. They loaned him out to France where he has been scoring a million goals for, uh, I think he leads league one in france in scoring right now that's nice Uh, hasn't committed to where he's going to play he got called into some friendlies for the english uh youth team uh withdrew with an injury even though he's not hurt and he's in orlando uh visiting the u.s national team so it's like he's on a recruiting visit basically right now for the u.s but they don't have a coach so like who knows what's going to happen there so kind of a weird situation there but the long story short uh uh, Jose Mourinho, who has coached a That's million. That's the name I thought I heard. He's like the rumored favorite, but nobody really knows. So. That's that's it. But three soccer bets for you, and we're gonna talk some baseball. Um, you have a couple of futures here. I do. Um, I'm gonna start there with the non-homer pick. Uh, it was a pick of one of my rivals. I'm gonna take Jose Ramirez over a home run total at 28 and a half. Um, Jose Ramirez is only 30 years old going into this year not counting the COVID year because they only played 60 games. Um, Every time he's played 130 games or more, he's gone over this totally at 29 last year in 157 games, 36 in in 2021 where he played 152. 
the year he had only 129 games in, in 2019, he still hit 23. So he was on pace to get over that number. Uh, and then 2018, 39 home runs and 157, 2017, 29 home runs and 152. Um, so you know, the last five times he's played that he's been relatively healthy. He's gotten himself over that point, And I, I still think he's going to be the focal point of that Indians line or excuse me, guardians lineup. Mm. Need to put a, need to put a dollar in the jar there for saying that. Um, I, I think he's going to have another good year and they just got a little bit of help for him in that lineup too, uh, with Josh Bell, that, that's going to provide a little bit of protection. If, that, if you got, you know, one thing to knock Cleveland for, it's probably the depth in that lineup. And I think they did a nice job adding Josh Bell for some protection for him there. Uh, but that is going to lead me to my, uh, my, my quote unquote Homer pick, even though talking to Dan about this before the show, he kind of agreed with me that there is some value here and it's not that much of a Homer pick. Patrick just chimed in with the comments there too, uh, about Tony La Russa being gone and that being very helpful worth, you know, five to 10 wins. And I kind of agree with him. Uh, the white Sox are now the third favorites to win the AL central at plus 300. And I still think if you look up and down the, the three raw, I mean, the Tigers and the Royals, I'm just kind of counting out here. And if they prove me wrong, they prove me wrong. I'm really just looking at the uh, the Sox, the Twins, and the Guardians. And if you look at those three rosters, the White Sox have the most talented roster. They do they do have the most talent up and down throughout the division. They, the key for them is to stay healthy. But I also think part of what was an issue for them was Tony La Russa being a little bit too lax, being a little bit too not really caring about the regular season and just assuming that they were going to make the playoffs, telling guys to take time off, not really pushing through stuff, literally was telling players not to run out ground balls last year. Um, I think this team is a little bit rejuvenated. Jose Abreu is gone. Yes, that is, that is a blow to the lineup, but Andrew Benintendi comes in to, to start and play left field there. And that is going to take their, their outfield from being one of the worst in baseball defensively with, uh, Jose Abreu, or excuse me, Luis Robert being surrounded by Andrew Vaughn and Eloy Jimenez to now being one of the best with, you know, a gold glove caliber center fielder and a gold club caliber left gold glove caliber left fielder. Oscar Colas is, is likely to be their starting right fielder. And he's had a, a pretty nice defensive spring training. He's got a nice arm out there. So I think where they lost uh, some help offensively, I think they gained a lot of it defensively. And if you watched any White Sox baseball last year, the offense, the bats weren't usually the problem. It was the inability to play defense and really do the fundamentals and the little things right. And from what I've been reading, hearing spring training this year with Pedro Grafal is a night and day difference. Like it's going to sound bad, but like they're actually doing things like they're actually working on, you know, ground balls. They're working on defensive situations. They're working on, you know, the, the little things, defensive drills, not just, Hey, let's go take some batting practice. You guys, you guys are going to be fine. Like Tony Russo kind of did. So I think you're going to see a team here. It's a lot more focused, uh, a lot more defensively sound uh, and do, doing the fundamentals and the little things. Right. And I think if they do that, this white Sox team was 81 and 81 last year when everything possible pretty much went wrong for them. And I, I don't see that happening again this year. I think just like, like Patrick said there, the manager change is going to be good for, you know, five to 10, possibly 10 wins. And I, I think at plus 300 here, the third worst odds, you look around Cleveland added Josh Bell. That, that's a nice addition, but they didn't really do a whole lot much. And I don't think that lineup is all that good. Um, and you look at Minnesota, I have no idea why Minnesota is plus 180 there. They added Pablo Lopez to their rotation, but they also lost Luis Arise, who is the, you know, NL, or excuse me, he was the AL batting champion last year. Yes, they brought back Carlos Correa, but they had him last year and they stunk last year. Uh, and if you look at Minnesota's, uh, the, the 20 numbers from last year, 2022, 
Minnesota starters had the second least amount of, uh, second least amount of quality starts throughout baseball with just 35 in 162 games. That's not very good. And I know starters aren't going as long as they used to, but still that that's not a very good number. And I don't think they did enough to address that rotation. Uh, I don't think the pitching is deep enough. So if you're going to give me the socks at three to one, the, the third longest odds there, I'm going to take that easily. I think there's just too much value to pass up there. So not a Homer pick. I think that's a Dan, you can back me up. I think that's a, value play right there at three to one yeah i mean there's just there's gonna be a lot of variance in that division so like taking the team that's the has the third longest odds of the three like legit teams is fine yeah. with me i don't i don't think that's too much of a homer pick you asked me to put these up and i don't and kind of was iffy on why so hey, did you just want my opinion on the nle yeah i just kind of you know i because I, i've been doing baseball picks here um you know the tuesdays i've been on trying to give some futures and, and this division is always like i know this is your division obviously the braves numbers have uh, jumped to plus 100 now with, with the Mets uh, big injury to Edwin Diaz um, they have been the favorite but I think they, they got a little bit even shorter they're close to at even money now I kind of want to get your feel on the NL East here because the Braves I think should be the favorite but also I think the Braves of the three teams that are probably going to compete for this division did the least in it did the least in the offseason and kind of didn't really uh, they locked up some of their own guys but didn't really make many major additions the, the Mets obviously got better the Phillies got seemingly a lot better but they still got some issues there do you see any value throughout this division is it the brave is there value on the braves at even money here is the phillies a play at three you know almost three and a half to one i kind of want to get an nl east experts take on how to attack the nl east this year because i think this is the most fascinating division in baseball here at least at the top with these three this and maybe the al east funny enough i'd probably think the mets would be the bet that i would like the most there the phillies the thing with the phillies is like I you, I kind of forgot like Bryce Harper is going to be out half the season mm-hmm. and like one through four, you know, you're going to have Turner Hoskins, uh, Schwarber, Real Muto. So like one through four, their lineup's awesome. After that, their lineup's not great. Their pitching is going to be pretty solid, but like their lineup's kind of imbalanced. And I'm kind of hoping that maybe they get off to a slow start and you get some value on them later. Um, the Braves, their starting rotation is pretty good. A little alarming. Rysel Iglesias, their closer, is going on the IL with low-grade shoulder inflammation. They announced Ooh, that this morning. That's never but, good. But they can just put A.J. Mentor at closer, and it'll be fine. Bullpens are volatile anyway, but like the Braves' bullpen should be pretty decent. Uh, Ronald Acuna is healthy, and he didn't hit well at the uh, World Baseball Classic, but he looked like Ronald Acuna Jr. running the bases, playing the field, looked like himself again. Eddie good. Rosario can see. I don't know if a lot of people knew that last year if you don't follow the Braves, but Eddie Rosario literally had to have surgery to correct his vision last year because he couldn't see the ball uh mm-hmm. he had a couple of home runs the world baseball classic again didn't hit for average but hit for power which was nice they add sean murphy so they're really good at catcher they can alternate him and real muto or him and darno excuse me uh dhings to keep those guys fresh the funny thing is like what's going to happen at shortstop with them they let dansby swanson walk and then they put out what i have likened to like North Korean state media videos about how Von Grissom is putting in all this work at shortstop and he's the future. And now he's might not even make the opening day roster. They might go with another rookie and Braden Shoemake at short. So who knows? Look, man, this, this division is going to be a slug fest and the angle that I like the most here. And I might just end up, go ahead and bet this. I don't, you know, I don't love tying up minus minus one twenty prices uh, for lengthy periods of time, but on uh, DraftKings they have a division finishing position and you can pick any one for any team. The Marlins to finish fourth in the NL East is minus 120. And I just don't see yeah, very I think many that's scenarios really good. 
where they don't finish fourth in this division. Like I know some some sharp betters bet them to uh to the under their win total under the other day, but like they're not going to be under the Nationals. Like look, the no. Nationals are are two hundred and fifty to one to win that division, and uh it, even if the Phillies might underachieve a little bit while Bryce Harper's out, I don't necessarily even think they will. So like minus one twenty implies like what like. 55% likelihood. And I think it's higher. I think it's like 60 to 65 or even like the, 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 the scenarios in which they finish somewhere other than fourth in that division don't seem very likely to me. So that's kind of the angle They're in the no man's land in this division. And that's kind of the angle I like the most. Cause you could convince me anybody's going to win that division, but you can't convince me that anybody is going to finish uh, better than that. Anyone is going to finish fourth other than the Marlins. Yeah. Like I think the, the only, path out of there is the Phillies get further decimated with injury earlier yeah. like you know two of the four in their the, the the top four of their lineup there that you're mentioning whether it's Schwarber Turner Real Muta whoever like get hurt for significant periods of time and the pitching kind of takes a, a big step back like it wasn't great last year obviously they put it together and like you say bullpens are volatile and then I think the Phillies were living proof of that last year their bullpen was bad throughout the year and then got hot at the right time like they would need regression to the mean there fully. But even then when they get fully healthy, like I'm not sure they'd fall that that far behind the Marlins. I think I agree with you in terms of the best bet to win this division in terms of value is probably the Mets because I mean, they, they got, they are the Mets and they very much have every chance in the world to met themselves out of a division title like they did last year. Uh, but as good as as good as Edwin Diaz is, he's, he's the best closer in baseball. He's fantastic. He had an unbelievable year last year. He's a closer. You can find guys in bullpens. And like we just said, bullpens are very volatile. I'm not saying he's not valuable to their team. He very much is, but it's not like Pete Alonso is out for the year. It's not like Francisco Lindor is out for the year. It's not like they lost Scherzer or Verlander is going to be starting every fifth day for them. They lost the closer. You can go out and find a guy to throw, you know, to be solid enough to throw an inning. And guess what? They have enough arsenal in their minor league system to go out and find a closer midway through the year if they really have to get a guy on an expiring contract who can maybe provide them a little bit more backup i would not be terribly worried about the mets at least early on this year um in terms of you know their season being quote unquote over because their closers hurt. it's it's closer they're going to be just fine they're still a very good baseball team so plus 170 that much uh differential from the braves i think i kind of like but I think this is going to be a live betting scenario. It's going to be see yeah. if any one team jumps out. It, do the Braves jump out to a seven game lead early? And then, oh, maybe I can take the Mets at plus 300 or vice versa. Like last year, the Mets got out to the 10 game lead yeah. early. The Braves draw. It, it's looking for value live, I think. But this is going to be a really fun division to watch throughout. And I'm glad I'm not a fan of any team in this division. Yeah. So I can kind of just watch from a, from, from afar. The other thing, and this is the last point, we are going super long, and I want to talk NFL draft, uh, and I have one other thing I want to bet real quick for baseball. The Braves have been awful in April the last two years, so I'm, I have no desire to bet them as the favorite right now until I see that they take April seriously, which they have not the last yeah. two years. Real quick before we move on to the NFL draft, these are things you can bet on Bovada. I just put these out there because I thought these were ridiculous, and granted, you can only put down about a grand total of uh, like $150 combined on these three bets, and you might not want to tie up this much money until the summer, but my thought process is these are all very likely to happen. They're all plus money or even money, and you can just get a little bit of extra scratch to throw on the NFL or college football this year. They have under MLB specials on Bovada. You can do to make the All-Star game, yes, no. The yes prices for Juan Soto, even money. Ronald Acuna Jr., plus 115. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., plus 115. 
2015. Acuna Jr. Guerrero both started last year. Acuna has made it every year he has started in the big leagues, and there has been an all-star game, and Juan Soto was a reserve last year and is the National League MVP favorite. These prices seem hilariously terrible. So uh, Which, Juan this Soto is play- just to make it? This isn't to just start? Just to make the all-star game, just to be in the all-star game. So there's zero, Soto, like unless there's injury, like Vlad Guerrero yeah. Jr. is going to be the starting third baseman because it's the fan first vote, baseman. right? And he's just like he's going to have the most votes. Yeah. It's like LeBron. Yeah. So and Acuna's been a starter basically every year. Soto will be there. So uh, there you go. Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All to make the All Star game uh, over at Bovada. Throw a few bucks on it. You're limited severely. They're not going to let you get a lot down, but that doesn't matter because you can pad your bankroll before we move on to the NFL, which we will talk about a little bit here, Matt, the NFL draft upcoming. I don't know if you know this or not, but the NFL draft is happening. Uh, FanDuel has some markets that have not been previously up until today, so we're going to talk about our two teams. These are positions of the first draft pick for particular NFL teams. So we will start with Matt's Chicago Bears, even though I guess technically not my team picks before yours does. But um, but the position of Bears first drafted player, I only put some of them on here. O-line is the favorite, minus 105. D-line plus 210. Cornerback plus 400. Receiver 800. Running back 1900. Safety 2600. This feels very much like a two-position race. I guess my question is, there's Matt. A third. Huh? I there's think there's a third here. position in here. I Interesting. Think, I think- well, go go ahead with your question. Well, my I'll, my I'll question to my, was going to be: thoughts. Do you think that Jalen Carter, like like, do you think Jalen Carter's in play at nine if he's there? And I guess I, the bigger question is: What position is it? Cornerback? Yes, uh, okay. Jalen Carter is Jalen Carter. If is he's there, will be in play. I still just I have a hard time believing that that many teams are going to are going to pass on Jalen Carter, especially with a team like the Raiders sitting right there. If their quarterback's not there, that seems like a, a uh, a team that would absolutely take a gamble, uh, no pun intended, on the Vegas Raiders. They're taking Jalen Carter. But if he's there, I'd love to see the Bears grab him. Um, I, I know his pro day performance was bad, but this is a 21-year-old kid who's going through an incredibly stressful time in his life and probably, even if he has been working out every day, probably hasn't been the sole focus. I, I think he's going to be fine once he gets through all of the, the legal it gets to once all the legal issues uh, are resolved and assuming he's going to be on the field and all that next year, I think he'll end up being fine. So if he gets to nine, I think the bears take him. I think there's a real chance they go with a corner at plus 400 there. Jalen Johnson's a very good cornerback, but he's not an elite cornerback in the NFL. And on the other side of him, they're playing an undrafted free agent last year, Jalen Jones. And they drafted Kyler Gordon in the second round last year. And Kyler Gordon had a slow start, but finished pretty strong to the season but he's a slot corner. He's going to be your nickel corner for the most part. And with two really high-end names there and Devin Weatherspoon and Christian Gonzalez, I think there's a very decent chance they go ahead and take a corner at plus 400, especially if, if Paris Johnson were to go uh, before number nine. If he's there at nine, I think that's probably the pick, and that's why you see it even money. But I would not be shocked at all to see them go corner uh, at plus 400. There, I think there's an outside chance that if things fall a certain way, they'd take Jackson Smith and Jigba at nine, or if they were to trade back again, which I, I think is highly unlikely, and he were to fall, it's possible. But I think if you're looking for some value, I think cornerback is the is the play there. I think there's a that I, I, there's more options at a corner for them to take than D line. I think there's one D lineman that they that would legitimately fall to them that they would take, and I think that's Jalen Carter. I don't think Tyree Wilson's falling. Will Anderson's not falling to nine. I don't think they're reaching on a, a Lucas Van Ness at nine because. This draft is fairly deep with edge rushers, and I think when they get to the second round, they have those two picks now. If they really identify a guy early on, they can go trade up for an edge rusher they like, but I think there's too many options in there late. So I think corner is the value. 
Uh, it's even got more value now because O-line is out to minus 140 on FanDuel, according to Patrick. I just looked it up. Cornerback is now 5-1, uh, five to one, D-line uh, uh, plus 250. So uh, you can get that there and just flipping the slide over to my Atlanta Falcons. Where are we going? Where are we going with the Falcons? The eighth pick in the draft, the Atlanta Falcons select. Uh, cornerback is plus 150, D-line plus 170, O-line plus 600, receiver plus 1,000, and quarterback and running back are each 14-1. to one. If you were to ask me which position, if I had to, if we're doing like a picks pool and we had to lock it in today on March 23rd, I would say cornerback at plus 150 is the pick I, I would probably go with there. However, I would not bet it because I do think that if Tyree Wilson is there at eight, they will take Tyree Wilson, but I don't think they're going to take Jalen Carter. Uh, I They just signed David Onyemata. They overpaid for him. They're paying Grady Jarrett a lot of money. I don't think they're going to draft a defensive tackle at nine. I love Devon Witherspoon's tape. I think that if he is there at eight, that is the guy that I would really like for them to take if he is available. Um, as far as the Bears are concerned with cornerback, uh, I have seen a lot of mock, and right now all mock drafts are just guesses. I've seen Raiders and Falcons going corner, which might mm-hmm. throw a fly in the ointment. If that's the if that's the case, Bears aren't going corner. I think that's what would yeah. ultimately keep them is that those two top two guys are off the right. board by nine. So I think cornerback is the the pick. Uh, obviously D line is, is very important as well, but of the other format, which one do you th- format, get it format of the other four comma, Matt, which position do you think, do you think the, or sorry, let me back up of those other four positions, which one do I think the Falcons would be most likely to pick at eight? Well, I know you want them to go get Bijan. I don't want them to go get Bijan necessarily. Well, okay. Fan, fan part of my brain wants them to get Bijan brain. My actual brain says no. But they're not going to draft an offensive lineman. They have re-signed Caleb McGarry. They just gave yeah. Lunch from a big extension. They're paying Jake Matthews a lot of money. They don't have a massive hole on their offensive line. Wide receiver, they do. They do need a wide receiver, too. But there's nobody worth drafting at eight unless they were to trade back. Uh, but this feels like a draft that's very devoid of talent at the top of the board for wide receiver. But you can get guys second, third, fourth round that are going to be good. And I really think they are bought in at least in 2023 on Desmond Ritter. So I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. Arthur Smith's offense was at its best in Tennessee when he had a healthy Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. A, a bell cow running back is part of what that makes that offense tick. Uh, Tyler Algier had a really nice rookie year. If you look at it, he might have been better than Kenneth Walker was, just statistically speaking, this year. But like Bijan Robinson is a tempting, tempting pick. And you can he say, is. well, they spent money on David Onyemata. They signed uh, uh, Caden Ellis from the Saints, who had seven sacks last year. They've upgraded their pass rush a little bit. It's still not great. Caden Ellis is a big swing for a guy who hasn't played a ton, but seven sacks would have led the team last year. They drafted Arnold Ebicady in the second round from Penn State last year as a pass rusher, so they might be comfortable there. They have enough players at cornerback to get by this year, but drafting a cornerback in the first round means you can sign A.J. Terrell to a long-term extension and have another guy opposite him uh, on a rookie deal, which is why I think that's the move. But if they're confident in the talent that they have at the cornerback position, they still have about $20 million in cap space to address mm-hmm. that as well. I really, in my brain, can't shake the idea that Arthur Smith might just want that bell cow running back. We know that teams are winning Super Bowls with discount cheap running back options. I know that. But on the flip side, if you look at running backs, at least the last like several years, basically ever like, after Trent Richardson, mm-hmm. like running backs drafted highly have turned out to be pretty good players. The McCaffrey's, the Sack Barkley, so on and yeah. so forth. Bijan Robinson's going to be a very good player. The Falcons can run the ball a lot. I think that opens up a lot on their offense. So 
I think there's a possibility. I think if the corner, if they have their choice of cornerbacks, I think they take a cornerback. If they have one guy singled out as the guy at cornerback and he's gone, I wouldn't be shocked if they took B. John Robinson. It would be surprising to a lot of other people. Positional importance in the NFL, it would be surprising, but I would not be surprised given what the identity of this team is if they were to make that decision. Is it a good decision? Probably I don't think not, it's a, I don't think it's a bad decision. I don't think it's that out there to think about. Like, yeah, running backs don't go all that high anymore, but like when it calls for them to, like you said, Chris McCaffrey, who went like at, to a top five, I think Saquon Barkley uh, went two or three overall. Like when those guys come around, they do get taken and usually they do hit. And it's more about just not giving those guys the second contract. It's about getting the most out of them on their first contracts. I, I don't think it's necessarily like, the best teams in the NFL don't have stud running backs. The best teams in the NFL might draft a stud running back. They just don't end up paying that stud running back when it comes time. But I, I think you're right. I don't, it's corner if they have their guy. I'd also be calling people in the mid to end of the first round and seeing what quarterback they want and if certain quarterbacks available and if they want my pick, come up and get it and grab some extra draft capital there because I think the Falcons, everybody can use extra draft capital. And like you said, this first round's pretty deep. And if they've identified a receiver they like that they think is going to be there at maybe 16, 17, maybe you draw, I don't know who, uh, who's picking at those certain picks. I just picked a, a number in the middle of the first round. Uh, maybe you trade back a couple picks, maybe get your receiver and grab a, a couple extra picks in the process. So before we wrap up a couple of plugs that we want to make, uh, the Detroit Lions uh, quarterback was plus 1100. When I first looked this morning, it is now plus 600 on last night's deep dive. They talked to Eric eager from Sumer sports who said he would not be shocked if they move up to three and take Anthony Richardson. So uh, go check that out wherever you can either get it on the podcast form on Apple or Spotify or on our YouTube channel. Check that out to hear his justification for why he thinks they might do that. And then if you want more NFL draft coverage from us here at Betsperts. Uh, tune into the fifth year option podcast with Andy and Vegas refund two o'clock today. I'm sure we will talk about all of those markets this afternoon when we get together for those guys, but that's going to do it for us. We have had a jumbo supersized 46 minute show and I am exhausted and I want some lunch. So I'm going to go eat lunch. Uh, we appreciate you all for tuning in for Matt. I'm Dan and Andy and noobs will be back tomorrow. And I'm sure Matt might be here to do some hockey for a Probably. three man weave on Friday. Uh, they will talk to you guys then have a good day.